The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One moment, a business is on top of its game, profitable and well-respected. In the next moment, it could be the victim of a major fraud with potentially catastrophic consequences. Financial losses, damaged reputation, diminished stakeholder value, scrutiny, even bankruptcy. These stories are all too common in today's business headlines. While some organizations recover, others don't make it. How do you minimize the risk of fraud and avoid the devastation? Welcome to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Our goal is to prevent your organization from becoming one of the statistics. Now, here is Chris Marquet. Welcome, Fraud Talkers, and all of, the, all of you in the greater fraud prevention and fraud education and fraud-related community. We welcome even to you fraudsters who happen to be listening. I am your host, Chris Marquet, on The Voice America Network platform. We are every every weekday Mondays on 10 a.m. and you can listen live or you can listen at your leisure on the audio file. You can also find us on Twitter, hashtag Fraud Talk, Facebook, LinkedIn, or uh, our blog Fraud Talk on Blogspot. Uh, you can reach out to us on any one of those and uh, many uh, platforms. And uh, we love to hear from you. We love to hear your comments, questions, and uh, you can also call in to this program live. The call-in number is 866-472-5790 if anybody would uh, like to uh, chat, join the discussion. Well, folks, you know, at any time, at any organization, there's always somebody who's up to no good, and uh, fraud is everywhere, claiming victims as we speak, I like to say, and uh, we're here to try to educate folks, uh, we're here to try to tamp it down, minimize it, squelch it, and squash it, uh, that's that's the concept, so this week we've got a, uh, a great show with a very knowledgeable guest uh, on the topic of white-collar fraud, his name is Bill Worth, he's a litigation attorney based here in Boston, Massachusetts and he's going to be joining us in a little bit. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, I have been an international corporate investigator since 1983, hard to believe, uh, investigating um, numerous, numerous cases involving um, white-collar fraud and uh, any kind of employee misconduct you can imagine. And for the past uh, eight years, I've had my own firm, Marquet International. Uh, you can see us on the web, www.marquet, M-A-R-Q-E-T, international, all one word, dot com. And uh, we provide a variety of litigation support, investigations, and security consulting service for our clients all around the globe. And one of the things we've established is our fraud SWAT team. And what we do with that is, you know, clients call, it might be Des Moines, Iowa, it might be Alaska, it might be uh, somewhere in Europe, uh, or right here in our own backyard in the Northeast. 
And uh, depending on the case, uh, we might bring in uh, traditional investigators, uh, computer forensics analysts. Uh, we might bring in, uh, almost always, you're going to be bringing in uh, forensic accountants to try to quantify the fraud and, and develop a proof of loss, that sort of thing. But uh, we airdrop folks in and uh, help work with uh, corporate counsel, outside counsel, try to get the facts together, put it together, and uh, wrap it up in a nice bow, and hopefully help, uh, help the client that's been victimized. This week, uh, we cataloged some 22 major embezzlement cases in the news in the United States uh, with uh, nearly $11 million in losses to various organizations. That's, you know, that average is half a million dollars each. Uh, and these are only cases that I'm looking at over 100 grand. And of course, I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. That's a big number. It's, you know, is, as you've listened to me week over week, it's, it's fairly consistent, anywhere from 15 to 25 five cases a week that's it's just amazing and it's devastating um, <clears throat> companies uh, around the United States uh, <clears throat> I mentioned you can you can call in and reach out if you've got a uh, a case of the week you'd like to put uh, forward uh, this week uh, our case comes from Rob in Texas and it involves a, a female bookkeeper from uh, Texas and uh, along with her husband who were charged with embezzling more than two million dollars from a company that she worked for and uh, <clears throat> according to uh, the local news in Lubbock Texas uh, they were <clears throat> this this uh, this couple Paula Whitley and her husband uh, Robert Whitley she's 54 he's 60 uh, they were they've been charged with embezzling 2.3 million dollars from armor asphalt a local family-owned business uh, there in Lubbock and uh, the case is ongoing so the investigation continues and I would imagine that uh, you know potential for more charges and an indictment uh, may be filed um, eventually but there's not a lot of information on this case yet it's just just kind of breaking uh, this past week I'm sure we'll get more uh, but I if I had to guess, uh, Paula, who was the employee, uh, she, uh, I, if I had to guess, she would, she would be the office administrator or the bookkeeper. Uh, <clears throat> I would almost uh, bet my life on that one. And uh, if I had to guess, she'd been working there for a long time. She's probably been stealing from the company for anywhere from five to ten years in this particular case, uh, probably just writing checks uh, to herself and or to her husband or to uh, her husband business or something to that effect. I mean, this is often the case where uh, when the spouse is brought in and in charges, uh, they clearly benefited. Uh, he probably knew uh, almost invariably, you know, and I'm going to guess again that there is all kinds of work done on their houses and new cars and junkets and, you know, all kinds of luxury lifestyle that was going on here. Uh, maybe it was just to support uh, the husband's business, whatever that might have been. And I haven't really uh, learned much more about it. But uh, the reason I picked this case, or were uh, among the various uh, that were submitted, uh, it's just the magnitude: two point three million dollars from one small business. Uh, it's described that the company was uh, devastated and really difficult troubles. Uh, the owners uh, started looking into, you know, what what the heck's going on with profitability here, and realized that uh, <clears throat> one of their own employees was fleecing them. So unfortunately, we don't have a lot more details in that case. That, but uh, uh, but that's the case of the week, and you can find it uh, up on our blog. Um, and what I'd like to do at this point is to introduce uh, my guest. Uh, his name again is Bill Worth. 
And uh, Bill comes from the Boston-based law firm of Prince LaBelle Tye. And among many other things, he's well-versed in the area of advising clients uh, who've been victims of various types of white-collar fraud, from asset misappropriation to embezzlement to theft of proprietary information and trade secrets. Bill has an undergraduate degree from Harvard and received his law degree from um, Northeastern Law School, University School of Law. Uh, good morning, Bill. How are you today? Morning, Chris. I'm, I'm very well. Thanks for having me on the show. No, my pleasure. Terrific. Uh, thanks for uh, for joining me. And a uh, little uh, full disclosure here, Bill and I worked together on some cases, and uh, we've known each other for a number of years, and it's a pleasure to, to have him on. Let me just read a little bit more about Bill's background. He's got more than 25 years of trial experience representing clients in the state and federal courts in a wide range of matters, including commercial contract cases, business tort cases, UCC disputes, uh, land use litigation, federal Telecommunications Act cases and environmental communication contamination cases. I'm sorry. Uh, he's also represented numerous employers and employees seeking injunctive relief in the context of disputed non-competition and non-solicitation agreements. He's uh, obtained favorable judgments on behalf of employers seeking relief from employee fraud, theft of trade secrets, and related misconduct. Bill brings his legal expertise and his client services skills to his role as litigation practice chair uh, for the firm, and he's on the firm's management committee at Prince Lobel. What's the website there, Bill? It's www.princelobel.com. That's P-R-I-N-C-E-L-O-B-E-L.com. All right. Well, wake, welcome, Bill. And so, so Bill, you know, there's a ton more about Bill's background. He's, 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 he's handled numerous cases of, of, of wide variety, but he does get, he's the one that's the go-to guy uh, whenever there's an issue of, you know, fraud, waste, and abuse in, in the company. Um, and I understand, Bill, on some of the cases that, that, that I'm familiar with, uh, you've had a, uh, a recent case uh, where uh, where uh, customer lists were, were, were stolen from the client. T- tell me a bit about that. Well, theft of customer lists and theft of a company's intellectual property really form the basis or the basic uh, business fraud case model. Um, recently, I... I uh, represented a company um, where they had a new salesman who'd left his old company uh, in the uh, software services industry, uh, particularly focusing on financial services. And uh, before he left, he um, downloaded his old company's uh, customer list on a thumb drive and brought it with him to his new employer. And it's unclear whether they knew, uh, they're, they're alleged to have known in, in a lawsuit that's been filed, but it's unclear what they knew about what their new employee brought with them, and now they find themselves um, fending off a lawsuit. Um, this is a fairly typical scenario, um, and I find myself on both sides of these cases uh, representing the business. Um, so in this case, Bill, you you actually represent the the the, the, the company, company, the defense. yeah that 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 was the that, that had hired the the fellow who allegedly stole the the client list. Right, right, and I and I, like I said, I've been on both sides of these, and and I think you've got to focus on what each of these companies can do to prevent themselves from being in litigation, which should be the goal of 
every company. You, you, you want to avoid litigation. Speaking as a litigator. And, and prevent it. Speaking as a litigator, Bill. <laughs> that's, <laughs> well, that's what you do. Uh, no, but, that, but that's good counsel. I mean, obviously, uh, when you have situations like this, if, an, if some agreement uh, can be made where, you know, it saves uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars on each side, that would be the goal. For, you know, that would be a good outcome for, for all concerned, probably except for the, this particular employee who may or may not have uh, inappropriately taken the, the customer right. list. Right, and brought brought it all packaged up as a gift to his new employer. Um, you know, um, the reason why people want to avoid litigation in this scenario, Chris, is uh, oftentimes in order to prove the case, um, you're going to involve your customers, either the, either the departing customers or the customers you're soliciting. And no business wants to do that. You know, they, right. they don't want to get their customers in the middle. Yeah, because you're basically going to interfere with your your business, and and everyone's going to be upset. This is not a not a not a good situation. So, uh, so I mean, I've seen just anecdotally that probably over the last whatever 10, 15 years, uh, maybe more actually, that one of the largest, most significant areas of fraud really is uh, this. You know the 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 departing salesperson, the departing whatever, leaving a company and taking proprietary information, going across the street and setting up shop, or just going to the newer employer. Is that is that kind of what you've seen too? It's, yes, and it's a huge problem for companies, and and uh, they really have to get out in front of it. Uh, oddly enough, on both sides uh, of the of the street, um, m- meaning it, when you have your employees. Um, uh, having access, as all companies do in this day and age, to vast amounts of data about your company. You've got to protect it. Um, Most of um, the property we're talking about, the the databases, the customer lists, marketing plans, pricing arrangements, um, you know, all of these are a company's property. And they've got to protect it very carefully. And most of these types of property fall into the realm of uh, what, what lawyers call trade secrets. And it's covered oftentimes by trade secret statutes in, in, in different states um, and, and in case law that protects trade secrets. And, and the businesses have to establish in order to make out uh, cases if it ever gets that far that someone has stolen a trade secret, they, they've got to have their um, employees sign agreements. And in, in, in days gone by, it was usually a non-competition agreement, uh, but those agreements are sort of falling out of favor as eco- the economies in, in most states and across the country are getting tighter. And um, So you have well, to let's, specialize let's, uh, what let's... kind of agreement you have with, with, with your employees. Right. Well, let, let's come back to that, Bill. We're gonna. I'm gonna have to cut you off short here because we gotta uh, take a break. But we'll come. Let's continue this discussion on on the preventive measures uh, and the uh, agreements. Uh, we'll be back. Thank you, everybody.
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. Uh, my guest today is Bill Worth. He's a litigation attorney uh, here at Prince Lobel and Ty in Boston. And uh, we've been talking about uh, trade secret uh, cases uh, that he's handled and uh, employees who steal customer lists and go across the street and set up uh, with a competitor or what have you. Uh, it's, it happens in many different scenarios. Uh, Welcome back, Bill. Thanks, Chris. We were talking about some of the um, preventive measures from a con- contractual standpoint. And you, were, you were saying how non-competes are kind of going by the wayside because many of them are really not 
not enforceable with uh, the so much mobility in the work fa- workplace, et cetera. T- tell us a bit more about that. Well, that's right, Chris. And, and here in Massachusetts, the legislature is looking to ban non-compete agreements like the California legislature has done. But that doesn't mean that the employer is uh, handcuffed in protecting its customer lists or other intellectual property. And they just have to hone their agreements and and make them more specific. Um, They've got to have agreements with their employers at every level, excuse me, their employees at every level where the employee acknowledges um, that customer lists are the property of the employer, they're, that they're the result of the uh, goodwill that belongs to the employer, not to the employee, uh, um, goodwill with customers that the employer has worked so hard to develop and maintain. Um, so what's the remedy then? I mean, uh, you've got... Uh You've got an employee that 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 takes something. It's not theirs. The company's made it clear that that's not theirs, and they go to the competitor. Okay. Well, well, let's just talk for a minute before we get there. That sometimes the competitor, and I, I was describing a case that I have um, uh, begun recently on behalf of the new company. Um, it's just as important for them on the way in to have the the new employee sign an agreement saying I, I'm not restricted by agreements that are going to prevent me from doing the work that I've told you I'm going to undertake for you, uh, new employer. Right. Because um, sometimes the new employer just as soon cut loose the, the problem employee or the new employee who's come in with a problem that they didn't know about. Um, that gets a little harder when they've already taken advantage of um, – all of his new contacts, and and the old employer is saying you you you've stolen our property and you've stolen our profits. Um, so the remedy, first and foremost, is you've got um, claims of trade secrets, and and the ability generally to try to go to court and seek injunctive relief. That is a court order that would prevent the new employer from utilizing the uh, customer list utilizing other information that the new employee has brought in to the new employer in violation of his contract with the old employer. Um, now, where that gets a little hard is for, for, for the company trying to prove that uh, their old employee has stolen customer lists or pra- trade secrets is they've got to prove a trade secret case. And they've got to prove that... Um, that this isn't information that's just known out in the uh, in the marketplace. Um, that that um, they've got to prove the theft. They've got to prove that these aren't just numbers that anybody could cold call. Um, and they've got to prove that they have made every effort to keep this information secret. I mean, that's the hallmark of a trade secret. It's confidential, and and the company marks it as such. So, in other words, in other words, the companies, any company, really needs to make affirmative steps, take affirmative steps, to protect its trade secrets. If they don't, they've set a precedent that well, these weren't really, these weren't really protected. This wasn't really protected information. Exactly. You sound like a lawyer, Chris. But, <laughs> but God that's forbid. Exactly right. That that's the crux of the trade 
trade secret litigation. Is this secret? Um, what measures has the employer taken to guard the secrecy of the information? Have they password protected it? Have they marked it in such a way? Have they had the employees acknowledge um, time and again, and maybe at each stage of their employment with the company, every time they move up the ladder, um, that, that this information is valuable, it belongs to the employer, not the employee. Um, it shouldn't be, it should never find its way into the hands of competitors. The more you've, as an employer, staked out that ground, uh, the better off you are in proving a trade secret case, because that's, that's going to be the crux of the litigation uh, on the trade secret front. Uh, right. Um, okay. Uh, and, and a court will balance whether um, the old company has taken, you know, reasonable and proper steps to preserve the secrecy of what they're now deeming uh, uh, to be trade secret information. So, um, and, go ahead. So, no, so you, you, so you, I mean, so the company, every every company should guard its its trade secrets, uh, and as you described in in nice detail, uh, protect them, security, etc. Uh, yep. And when, but now on the on the receiving end, you're kind of in a sticky wicket, no? Well, you are, you are, um, but but um, you know, the new employer. If it if it's decided that it's going to keep this employee or it has used the information, um, they're going to fight on the trade secret front. Um, uh, on the other hand, what you're seeing now as um, the the, um, the theft, if you will, is 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 getting more sophisticated and it's in a computerized environment. Is um, we're seeing that. The new tool in every litigator's quiver, especially if you're on the aggressive end, the affirmative end, um, is something called the Computer Fraud and, and Abuse Act. It's uh, a, a federal law that had its start as a, um, a criminal statute, now has civil remedies. And, and you know, because most businesses uh, keep their proprietary and confidential information on computers, uh, the, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act is, is generally invoked to uh, address the theft of uh, computerized information. And um, it, it because these cases involve the, the com- competing employee or the disgruntled employee, uh, loading up the the, the uh, thumb drive um, with with the company's information and either sending it to his home computer or um, you know downloading it elsewhere. Um, it, it, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act gives the employers a new a new mechanism for for redressing this kind of harm. Um, and and the big thing that it allows the companies to do is to avoid. Uh, make the claim that looks and 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 smells and walks and talks like a trade secret theft without actually having to prove all of those um, uh, elements of proof that we just talked about um, if for the employer who hasn't taken the pains it should have taken to protect its trade secrets um, the com- the computer fraud and abuse act focuses on um, did the employee access computer information uh, either without permission or beyond the permission that the employer, the employee had? 
Right. And, and that's so, basically all you've got to prove. Um, um, and, and yeah, you're telling me that a this your burden of proof in the, in, in that context. The other thing b- before your question, if I if I might, go ahead. It it allows the um, the old employer, the the harmed employer. Uh, it allows them to get into federal court where they often want to be um, because it's a federal statute. And you were telling me uh, in the break that uh, that this area is one of the fastest growing uh, areas in 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 legal cir- in litigation circles. Well, it is because it's it, the case law is still developing, and and um, what does it mean to be unauthorized is a big issue, and 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 it's not yet reached the Supreme Court in the civil litigation context. Um, you know that's what that's what litigators do if they're if they're if their client finds himself in, in a position where um, the, the facts are uh, against them they they find some legal argument to make and where the legal argument is against you you find a way to argue the facts but here um, where somebody is taken um, appears to have taken information. Uh, and used a, a computer uh, data to do it. Um, this is really the way that that the law is moving and and legal tactics are moving. You know. Right. Yeah. That that makes sense. The uh, listen, folks. This happen. This is happening. Every single day, uh, it is happening in companies, large and small. It is happening in nonprofits to publicly traded entities. Uh, this 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 type of, uh, of of fraud is just is just rampant. And you know, employees for whatever reason, I think you know, twenty thirty years ago when uh, when I was a younger pup, uh, you know, the, the employee mobility was much less. People would tended to stay with the companies for longer. These days, people are in and out of companies uh, in very short periods of time, and with the technology they have it available, they can, with a click of a, a, a mouse, uh, literally take the the family jewels, the crown jewels from the company, and be be off with it. So, uh, if you think uh, if you think you're not uh, if you think you're immune, you're 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 deluding yourself. Uh, it's just it's just rampant. It is a major problem. I've seen it a lot, and uh, I think Bill is confirming that. Yeah, the family jewels now reside on the computer. <laughs> and, and they're pretty easy to move, right? Right. Um, and and uh, companies have to take affirmative steps to protect those jewels and um, um, do their utmost to to prevent um, their departure from the company. And um, and they should be apprised that and be aware that there are tools uh, if if the jewels are still stolen. To go after them, and and there are a lot of tools, including, uh, you know, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, and and the ability to go into federal court now and and seek an injunction to prevent somebody from using those tools. Okay, well, Bill, we're going to have to cut you off again. We're going to take another break, and we'll be back shortly.
market's up or down. Or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. What do business and sports have in common? Both are based on competition, and the goal of each is the same, to win. If you're in business, you need an edge over your competitors. You need to innovate and improve. You need to make adjustments to stay ahead of your competition. Tune in to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Get the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. The Business Locker Room airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, fraud talkers. And by the way, you fraudsters who happen to be listening, your day is coming. It's just numbered. It's only a matter of time. Uh, I've been talking today with Bill Worth. He's a lawyer, a litigation attorney here in the Boston area. And Bill handles a variety of cases, but uh, one of his specialties is uh, representing clients who either been a victim of or somehow been embroiled in white-collar fraud cases. We've been talking about... Uh, a trade secret theft, which is rampant and uh, one of the uh, one of the fastest growing uh, types of uh, employee misconduct. Uh, but we're, I want to I want to switch gears a little bit here, Bill. Uh, welcome back, by the way. Uh, and talk about my favorite topic, and that is uh, <clears throat> that is employee theft, theft of actual monies, uh, embezzlement, larceny, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and 
as uh, as I described in the in the opening case, uh, where we had uh, presumably the office manager, or a bookkeeper, basically you know probably just writing checks to themselves in one fashion or another. This is this is also something that you know based on the statistics that uh, I've pulled together in the Marquet report on embezzlement. Uh, again, happening every single day. Um, companies large and small. Uh, it, it happens that uh, smaller companies, uh, nonprofits, religious organizations that uh, have uh, that have uh, a, a fewer, less uh, <clears throat> controlled environment, they are the ones that are going to be victims much more frequently. And so that so that's uh, that's a problem. Uh, we see it all the time. Bill, I understand you, you've had a couple of these uh, cases. Why don't, you, why don't you describe one of them and, and we can talk about, uh, you know, what happened and maybe some of the remedies, etc. Sure. Um, you know, I, I actually I represented a, a bank um, fairly recently that had um, been duped by what, what I would consider to be the, the bad bookkeeper. Um, she worked for three partners at a large real estate development firm, and they, the, the folks for whom she worked um, submitted on a regular basis their expense reports to her. Um, the... Um, the bosses were, were, were high-flying real estate development folks, and they had pretty extensive expense reports, um, whining and dining uh, perf- uh, their, their prospective lessees uh, for new, uh, um, big new developments here in Boston. And they would put in their expen- expense reports to her, and after a period of time, she would get them back to them, and they would have her deposit the checks in their bank accounts. Um, <laughs> and it, it, at first, she would um, take a check or two and divert the checks made payable to them into her own account. And when she found this was working on a year-by-year basis, she got bolder and bolder and bolder. Bill, well, hold on. First, did, did these guys uh, realize they weren't getting their money back? Well, it, were they just it was too, sort of too insignificant. Let's say oh, okay. they, these guys were putting up, you know, twenty to thirty thousand, maybe forty thousand dollars a year in expense reimbursement forms. And mm. and at first, she put her toe in the water, um, and and on on a check that wasn't it, it endorsed more than Ford deposit, she put it in her own account. And she tried it with one, and then the second, and then the third of the folks that she was uh, uh, doing this work for, you know, for whom she was the admin. And maybe in year one, um, she had 2,000 out of the um, 25 to 40, let's say, for the range of these three gentlemen. who So were she would pick, she'd, she'd pick like the small ones at one. Ones that didn't see wouldn't rise, you know, above the radar. Right, but but she continued this scheme for six years before she oh. was caught, and ran up, you know, well into the the mid six figures. What what had found its way into her account, um, 
Wow. And um, I represented the bank who, who was sort of the, the depositing bank who missed this. Um, and um, she was called into one of these fellows' um, offices one day and got so nervous she confessed to something that they had never even discovered. And that's how this came to light. The, the tension got the better of her. Uh, her conscience didn't, just the tension. Um, what, 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 Bill, what, did, let me just interject here. What, do, why did she start stealing in the first place? Do we have any idea? Well, why did, was, it, was it a financial issue or she, she just you know, thought I don't she deserved know in her case? I, I simply no. don't know. Um, mm. she, ended up mean, being, she ended up being prosecuted and... and is an older woman um, in her late 50s when it started, early 60s when she broke down and confessed, Uh, but uh, she was put on probation. Um, She got off on probation? No jail time? No, none. Amazing. Um, Oh, she's a very sympathetic, uh, uh, lovely lady, you know, in most ways. Um, No one suspected her uh, at all, and, and... um, she probably could have gone off into the sunset at the company, having done this um, without anybody even finding it. And, what, did she, I mean, what did she do with the money? Put it in her bank account, as far as I know. I don't. I, I don't know what her spending habits were, Chris. But um, um, what what we saw uh, in, in hindsight when when. And I'll explain in a minute how this came into the civil litigation front. Because uh, I think it's helpful for uh, your your listeners who who operate businesses to hear this. But um, in year one, if she took a thousand out of uh, a grand total of the three guys of you know fifty thousand, uh, by the end she was taking every cent because she realized um, no one was picking up on it, and I, and I think this stunned her. Um, by the end, she was taking 100% of these expense checks. And these that, three guys, shame on them, never knew it. And that they is just the money amazing. Going into their bank accounts. Amazing. So they, so they, and they weren't, they, obviously, they just weren't even checking their accounts. Since she had, the, since she had been directed, actually, yeah, they, to deposit their checks into her accounts, they, they didn't know they weren't the worst for the wear. Well, that's right. And, and in fact, um, their, uh, what what happened was um, their employer put in a claim to its fidelity bond insurer. Uh, The company for whom they worked never lost a penny and reimbursed these guys. Uh, The insurer came after the bank and I represented the bank um, and and asserted a statute of limitations defense. Um, You have an obligation... You have an obligation to look at your bank statement and to say, um, I'm not seeing the deposits that I thought I was getting or, um, you know, I'm seeing a forged endorsement or I'm seeing a forged uh, signature um, and these guys didn't bother to look. Um, So so, so just again to interject, so the... What often happens in these cases, people, is that the 
deep pocket, which is the bank, when you're looking for restitution, ultimately the company's trying to be made whole, they go after the deep, they're going to try to take whatever's left of the theft, the stolen money. That might be some real estate or uh, some nice vehicles or in fur coats or what have you. Uh, but uh, they'll often go after the financial institution making the claim, in this case it sounds, Bill, that the bank should have known or should have caught the, uh, the fraud that was ongoing uh, over this period of time. And the bank's argument is just the opposite. You guys should have known you had your duty and obligation to check your statements, etc. In, in, in the first instance, it's the bank's liability. Um, but, but where all this time went on before um, the fraud was found out and then inexplicably before the claim was made against the bank, um, um, the, the burden fell back onto the uh, account holders and and um, the three uh, high rolling uh, development folks um, just w- were oblivious. One of them wasn't putting it in the bank; he was simply cashing the checks. Uh, and I said, and I, I said to him in his deposition, because this case did go to litigation, um, what what were you doing with all the money? And essentially, it was walking around money for him. He'd get a check for twenty-four thousand uh, um, dollars, or for eleven thousand dollars at a clip, and and he'd put it in his pocket, walk wow. around money. I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> Here in Boston, who to thunk, right? Yeah. All right, we're going to have to take a, another break, and uh, we will continue the discussion with Bill Worth. Thank you, Bill. We'll be talking to everybody soon. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Are you and your business well-prepared? For what, you may ask? Well, what about workplace violence, cyber attacks, or general business disasters? Listen for Fear is Negotiable, Business Survival Skills 101 with your host, Pamela Hill. We'll bring you case studies of the businesses that don't prepare and the consequences that can happen. We'll also bring you best practice strategies that can help you keep your business running smoothly. Tune in to Fear is Negotiable, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response, and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive 
and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. Welcome back, Fraud Talkers. I'm your host, Chris Marquet, and uh, we've got our last segment. It's a short one. Uh, if you want to join the discussion, call us at 866-472-5790, and uh, we'd, uh, we'd be happy to have you join the discussion. I've been talking with Bill Worth, a litigation attorney here in Boston who handles a lot of uh, cases involving uh, employee theft and fraud of one kind or another. Um, Bill, we were talking offline about uh, another case you had, uh, another embezzlement matter, uh, which was kind of fun, sort of echoing the Lubbock case I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Yeah, gosh, it, it, it sounds um, amazingly like the Lubbock case you described. Um, I, I represented a, a group of medical practices who went after their office manager, um, and she stole them, she stole from them um, to the tune of about $850,000 over about four years. Um, and, and she did it in two ways, and, and one involved her husband. And uh, she had, as the office manager for the three practices, um, she had signing authority up to $10,000 to pay for services provided to the company by its vendors or by the group of medical practices to, to, from its vendors. Well, um, she set up a scheme with her husband who set up three or four different companies um, which provided no services, but um, their, their uh, business apparently was invoicing uh, the, the medical practices. That's all they did. Uh, they had a marketing company that would invoice the medical practices, a um, office supplies company that would invoice the practices, and a um, janitorial or cleanup uh, company that would invoice these practices. They never did any of it, um, and she would approve the invoices and send Money would be generated and sent to these companies, which were owned and operated um, by her husband. He was the only employee, um, and um, that was 
about five hundred thousand or six hundred thousand dollars off the uh, off the books uh, of these doctors who, who were not happy uh, no, about the situation. Were these companies, these dummy companies that he set up, were they actually, did he like file a, 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 a assumed business name or FBN or was it actual corporate incorporated entity or what? Or, they were, or these they were incorporated paper? entities um, and, and I suspect. How dumb that, is that? I think they did it uh, because one of the things I, I would suggest to companies to prevent this kind of thing is to really know who's on your vendor list and what they do and exactly. and really clean up your vendor lists on a regular basis to um, see what they do and, and, and be in touch with them, have them submit uh, uh, data to you and, and have people who check on whether they uh, do a good job. Um, but but I think um, these are legal entities that were set up. It's part of how I was able to get money back for the doctors. Um, the way the fraud came to light is that, that this office manager had another um, method uh, of, of stealing, and that was that she took the company's um, credit card for um, staples, as it turned out, and what she bought wasn't just pens and pencils and pads or, or even computers or whatever other goods that Stables sells, but she bought several hundred thousand dollars worth of um, so those blank cards that you can get, the American Express gift card, the uh, MasterCard gift card. Uh, she even got some iTunes cards, but she would take those and, and convert them to cash. Um, and um, somebody in the home office for these medical uh, groups um, just said, what are we doing spending all this money at Staples? And took a look at the invoices and realized something was amiss. And, and fortunately, um, let me know what was going on. Um, and we found that husband and wife were about to move down to Florida. We were able to attach their home, um, attach the company's bank accounts um, um, on an ex parte basis. That means I ran into court and said to the judge with affidavits, even though these guys aren't here in court, um, they, um, they should be stopped in their tracks. And the, the judge saw it my way and we put an attachment on their home an attachment on their bank accounts and and we were able to get most of this money back and then working with the um, the district attorney we managed to get these people in jail and I, I think they may be I think they're there now both husband wow. and wife and they, wow. they also were in their late 50s it's a yeah you know, this is this state of affairs yeah, folks, this is a absolutely classic uh, vendor fraud scheme. Uh, in this case, a conspiracy with the husband and the wife uh, setting up these dummy companies and basically fraudulently invoicing the uh, the victim company for all kinds of goods and services not delivered. And uh, again, happens very regularly. If you don't know who your vendors are, you better make sure you check and you go down the list. The other thing here, if she had a $10,000 uh, limit, that, that's a fairly high limit. I would suggest that ought to be looked at. And of course, um, 
you know, uh, separating the duties, uh, uh, the check writing duties, or and what have you, um, th- that that might be uh, might be helpful. <clears throat> what other uh, what other suggestions would you have, Bill? We have a, just well, the, a, about a minute left here to go. You know, Chris, those are the two big ones. I mean, there, every company should be checking and monitoring and supervising its vendor lists and and make and updating them on a regular basis um, to make sure that they're getting the kinds of goods and services to which they're entitled and that their vendors are doing a good job that would have turned up a lot of this and i suspect if we go back to that fraud of the week case that you were describing in lubbock uh, that if it's a husband and wife team, there's usually somebody on the outside that is um, working in, in league with the person on the inside as the place where the outgoing money is deposited. And, right. Uh, I, okay. I don't think this is that an, uh, a, that unusual uh, situation. Mm-hmm. No, sadly, it's not. We're going to have to leave it at that, uh, Bill. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been a great, uh, great chat. We appreciate uh, your sharing all your expertise with us. Uh, people, join us next week, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time for another Fraud Talk edition. Our guest ne- next week is Kathy Bazoyan Phelps, who is another attorney, this one based out in California. She's the author of two books, so one, the Ponzi book, a legal resource for unraveling Ponzi. Ponzi schemes and another one, the Ponzi proof your investments. And she advises clients and trustees and receivers, debtors, etc., uh, unsecured and secured creditors and bankruptcy cases and many other uh, uh, clients uh, related to this this type of fraud. Thank you all. We'll see you next week. Great. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for listening to Fraud Talk this week. Please join Chris Marquet again next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Don't become a victim of fraud. Tune in for another show soon.